What do we do? A podcast discussing wealth management and financial planning, and also introducing listeners to the leaders in our community. Hosted by the founder and CEO of Great Lakes Wealth, Dewey Steffen, alongside radio personality, Kyle Bogey. Hi, I'm Dewey Steffen. Our goal with the What Do We Do podcast is to educate listeners on topics that impact your financial growth, your retirement, and your lifestyle. Join us twice a month as we welcome some of today's leaders in the community, plus experts in finance and retirement, to inform listeners on the topics that impact us all. These conversations can help you make better decisions so you can plan for and live your best life. Here's Dewey Steffen alongside Kyle Bogey. Episode 37 of the What Do We Do podcast. Kyle Bogey, Dewey Steffen here at Great Lakes Wealth. And Dewey, I'm excited to, to dive into this topic because it seems to be something that not only in the world of finance and investing, you know, everything that you're kind of tapped into, but cannabis is this, this growing beast, if you will, in a lot of different areas. Some people who have not been okay with it, you know, all of a sudden starting to buy into it a little bit and it just continues to grow and evolve. So I'm very curious to find out a little bit more about what you do with it, what Great Lakes Wealth does with it. Uh, obviously going to be a great episode here uh, on the What Do We Do podcast. Bogey, great to see you. Episode 37. Can you believe this? We're Incredible. talking about cannabis again. Cannabis 2.0. Mm-hmm. I went back to the uh, files and I uh, noticed that episode 5 was when we did the introduction to all things cannabis. So this is absolutely a uh, timely and timeless follow-up to that amazing growth no pun intended, <laughs> of a growing industry called cannabis. So I'm fired up. We're going to get into it and, no pun intended, into the weeds. So obviously we have a top 11 list, uh, 11 things cannabis investors should know in 2021. Uh, not not 10 things, but 11 things, that little bit extra. So I want to at least start just by, you know, from your vantage point as a wealth management advisor, you know, certainly the CEO here at Great Lakes Wealth. And, you know, there's a ton of information if you want to go to greatlakeswealth.us to find out a little bit more. But when did cannabis first come onto your radar from an investment standpoint? And just, if you can, a little bit of the backstory, not necessarily on the industry, but just when it became this real thing that you had to start taking seriously. Yeah, absolutely, Kyle. appreciate that. Uh, before we get into that, I do want to spend just a moment. You usually do it, and I am remiss if I don't just thank our listeners, our viewers. Since we've started this podcast, forget about just the cannabis industry when we started following that, but just this podcast in the 36 plus this 37th episode, the amazing growth, the amazing support from our community. If you remember, it was just last June that we went live and decided to do this to help give information to our community. So we want to thank everyone that's been uh, on board. We ask you to please subscribe, hit that subscribe button, share this with your community, your friends, your family, your coworkers. The more that uh, people know, the more that we'll grow. How about that? Literally. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So anyway, so thanks for that. And again, everyone, thank you so much for where uh, you've gotten us to so far. And we look forward to, again, growing in 2021. So as the theme today is cannabis and we talk about growing, Great Lakes Wealth, 
Started looking at cannabis back in 2017, okay? And so in episode five, please go back and listen, and you'll get the history of cannabis and the legalization um, calendar, if you will, uh, of it, right? But as our firm uh, started to evaluate cannabis in 2017, we recognized it was taboo. We recognized that it was um, you know, an underground industry that was slowly becoming known, and it was because of the medical, the medicinal purposes, right? Pain management, that sort of thing. Well, fast forward to here we are now, and it's certainly pain management, but now we're on the cusp of a legalization for recreational use, along with the medicinal use, as well as this industrial use known as hemp. Uh, Another plug for episode 33, the one, the only four-time Stanley Cup champion, Darren McCarty, right? Listen to episode 33. He discussed a lot of the other cannabinoids that are not the CBD or the THC. These are some newer ones, uh, CBG and CBN, and we'll talk about those as well. But uh, Kyle, all that to say is that we actually launched a cannabis investments portfolio here at Great Lakes Wealth on March 15th, 2019. We uh, launched a portfolio. So we just had our two-year anniversary on March 15th. So we're excited with what we've done, but we're excited where this industry is growing. And going. <laughs> and, and, and literally, before we dive into you know this uh, list of 11 things cannabis investors uh, should know in 2021, n- no pun intended, but you know clearly this is something that has continued to grow uh, over the last couple of years. And I got to believe, you know, again, I'm not the smartest or you know sharpest tool in the drawer, whatever you want to call it, but I have to believe that as states began to regulate it, as it became more of a uh, a well-known and accepted thing uh, across our country and across our world, even though it's not federally cleared at this point. I got to believe the last couple of years, there has been a good amount of growth within that portfolio. Well, absolutely. Within our portfolio yes. yeah. and the industry, we benchmark to, and the industry kind of benches to a an index, right? The prime harvest index index, the marijuana index, right? So that takes the publicly traded uh, stocks in in terms of market cap and then evaluates them. And then if you invest versus, you know, the comparable index, as we've talked about Mm -hmm. indices before, that's where we would look at. But here's what's happened, Kyle. When we got into this in 2019, all systems were go, okay? We had uh, the Donald Trump presidency that was, I guess, two years in. We had um, ex- expectations. Canada had just legalized marijuana, and we had expectations that it was only a matter of time until it happened here in the United States. We had several states that had already legalized it. We had you know, 30 or 40 that at different degrees had certainly some, uh, some legislation on the books. Well, here's what happened. We had the ultimate impeachment proceedings of Donald Trump. Okay, and so we believe that Congress, as well as all the other powers that be in Washington, had to kind of make a pivot. They went from looking at some of these other outlier, forward-thinking, pro-productive or progressive types of uh, legislation, put them on hold. So all the committees that were talking about cannabis and legalization for whether it was medical use or uh, recreational use, put it on hold. Impeach Donald Trump, and that was the focus, right? So we saw that in um, 2019. Okay, and so then in 2020, it was then the election and everything else going along with this thing that happened in 2020, COVID-19. Fair enough? Absolutely. Okay, so we had an industry that was booming Mm -hmm. from 17 and 18 that all of a sudden er, hit the brakes. 
The industry also, as we talked about, was the wild, wild west. So because it's not necessarily regulated, there's a lot of illegal activity and you can't put the money in the banks and they have all this stuff because you can't even do your audited financials for the IRS. So that you had this situation where we went through a period of shakeout. And that investors actually took their checkbooks and went home in 2019 and 2020 saying, I'm not investing in this. There's no path forward. There's nothing. Now, the industry was actually growing. Actually, the revenues were still growing. But um, no, we started our portfolio March 15th of 2019. And the first three to six months, we saw the stocks uh, appreciate. But then boom, uh uh-uh. The entire index, our portfolio as well, took an about face and uh, dropped. We were lucky enough to put hedges on and do some things that we are allowed to do by um, our portfolio standards to limit some of that loss and then uh, circle the wagons. And I actually went on to Amy Andrews and Fox 2 Detroit last, I want to say May. And I said that you want to start thinking about cannabis again. You and I talked about how uh, in the first quarter of 2020, it was a very important revenue source for the state of Michigan. And so with all of that, here we are where the market in cannabis cratered in about March or April of 2020. And then as everything started to uh, appreciate in the investment world, cannabis stocks did too. But here's the final thing I ta- I, I'll say before I take a break with uh, the talk, is that after the election results came in in November of 2020, cannabis stocks shot the moon because there is a new regime in D.C. and their platform was on the decriminalization of cannabis. So you saw cannabis stocks double from November, December, and January, Kyle. The stocks, some of them more than double. And then there was this uh, little uh, website called Reddit and this other little uh, sidebar called uh, Wall Street Bets that also said, hey, some of these cannabis stocks might have opportunity. And that pushed them up even higher. So in January and February, as uh, we finished February, the index was up about 60% on the year. So we believe it's just getting started for 2.0. Hence this podcast today. And we'll wait and see, obviously, when, you know, official word comes down from the federal level, because that seems to be kind of the the last thing really, uh, you know, to happen before things potentially again, you know, this is not advice. This is not, you know, whatever, but it certainly seems things could be on the way up uh, big time, even more so, as you said, to the moon, as soon as the federal regulation and that, you know, I guess continues to proceed and potentially happen. Hey guys, it's Bogey. I want to take a second to talk to you about Dewey Stefan and his excellent team at Great Lakes Wealth. Look, do you feel overwhelmed with managing your assets in today's financial world? I mean, think about the times we're in. Do you want financial freedom instead? Great Lakes Wealth offers Wall Street solutions with Main Street values. They sit down with you to develop custom financial solutions utilizing all of your assets, even your 401k. They build the future you want based on your goals and your dreams. That's what Great Lakes Wealth is all about. Thinking about you, thinking about your family, and thinking about your future. Simply go to greatlakeswealth.us to schedule an appointment today. They offer better investments and better service than anyone out there. Your road to financial freedom starts at greatlakeswealth.us. Please visit greatlakeswealth.us or simply give Great Lakes Wealth a call today. That's a perfect transition, I guess, to get to uh, your your list. I know you're excited for this. Again, you, you can't have 10 things. you got to have 11. you got to have one extra thing that you can toss in there. That, that's just how you do it here at Great Lakes Wealth uh, and on the What Do We Do podcast. So, again, the list, 11 things that cannabis investors should know 
in 2021. And, and I guess with that, I, I can leave it to you to figure out how we want to go ahead and get started and just kind of run through this process of it. I'm going to give you this list. And as you said, everyone wants to be a perfect 10. <laughs> what the heck is a perfect 10? If everyone wants to be a perfect 10, as Sully knows, we want to be better than the rest. So we're going to go one better than a perfect 10. We'll call it the perfect 11. Not 100% okay? effort, 110% effort. 110% yeah, you get it. That's it. So we do have an 11 uh, list for 2021 of things to consider in the investment world of cannabis. Number one, cannabis stocks are on the rise, right? And investing, once you see things bottom out and they start to move higher, that's called momentum. And we believe that there's positivity behind this momentum and it's going to continue. As we talked about a few minutes ago, the index, the uh, prime harvest index is actually still down 50% from its high in 2018. However, the stocks have rebounded over 60% since their low, which was, you know, last, you know, call it November uh, timeframe. So with that, we believe that the momentum, the comeback is just getting started, if you will. And there'll be volatility. But Kyle, what do we say about volatility? Volatility creates opportunity. My man, there give me a go. little something. Booyah, <laughs> fantastic. He got he got question number one. I love it. Fantastic. So volatility creates opportunity. Absolutely. So with that, we believe you will see these stocks that have bottomed out and then rebounded, but have now pulled back, we call it. We believe that they have a lot of runway ahead of them. So that's number one. Anything to think about there? Yeah, no, I, I mean, I, I'm fascinated, honestly, by number two. But, you know, to, to your point, I, I I mean, it makes complete and total sense, you know, as we're watching the ebbs and flows of, you know, cannabis and, and where it's all going and potentially where it could be headed. But, you know, as far as number two is concerned, and I think what we've seen, um, you know, transpire over the last year, given the pandemic and given the fact that people have been at home and unable to do things, I would equate number two, and you're going to get into it in just a second here, to be along the lines of, you know, say the the alcohol industry in 2020. Um, you know, I, I don't want to speak for other people, but I can speak for my own household, and uh, I will just say alcohol intake for whatever reason. It just seemed to kind of go way up in the bogey household, and that seemed to be uh, what was going on countrywide as well. So I'm fascinated by number two here. So number two relates to COVID-19 and the stay-at-home economy in 2020, mm -hmm. right? Is that what we're talking about? Yeah. Absolutely. We had these things called uh, Zoom happy hours. Did you do any of those? A few. Yeah. I know you and your family absolutely was on the Friday night dance party, <laughs> the virtual dance party. I know you had the disco ball and you were doing strobe lights on your iPhone 10 or 11. Sure. Right? Oh, yeah. So, okay. So, with that, absolutely. The pets a, were dancing and everything know, as well. Yeah, it. it was wild. It was a madhouse. That's it, right? And no one ever wants to leave their house again because that was so much fun, okay? So, with that, absolutely. The stay-at-home economy, which was a result of the lockdown due to COVID-19 and the seriousness there, um, we had the growth of cannabis and that was in terms of revenue and in terms of sales, certainly um, from the recreational perspective, people were at home, but also from the medicinal perspective, people Calm were down. at home. For sure. sure. Absolutely, right? Um, a lot of the numbers we're going to give today will be global, talking about the global opportunity of cannabis, okay? Some we will talk about as well about the American or U.S. 
uh, data points, the financials in the United States in terms of evaluating evaluating um, opportunities. Okay, but um, we're also going to talk about the Canada specific market because it is legal there as a country. So some of the data we don't have to think about as much of the illicit illegal market versus the legal state by state market here. So just as it relates to the stay at home economy in Canada, Canada saw their numbers grow. We're going to say that word a lot. The cannabis grow strategy, right? We saw it grow from 180 million in monthly sales through October of last year to 270 million in sales. That's a 50% increase. And that was from the time COVID started till October. So six month increase of 50% or $90 million in monthly sales of cannabis. That's incredible. Is incredible, mm-hmm. right? So that really is the number two that it has uh, changed it. We've said, you know, things have changed forever in some industries. So the stay at home economy and the introduction to cannabis, to maybe some that hadn't used it as much, now um, it's here forevermore if you follow along. Now you ran through. Canada specifically and more of a, you know, a look essentially at uh, outside of the U.S. how this whole thing transpired. But number three would be, I guess, the impact essentially of, I mean, let's just be real. People would make a living or at least a side hustle or side living by selling cannabis, uh, you know, perhaps uh, illegally or, you know, in a different way than maybe, uh, you know, would be regulated or uh, interpreted. So how did that impact kind of, you know, I guess happen on the economy over the last several years and specifically in 2020? So, yes, in the United States, cannabis sales are still growing. Absolutely. The legal cannabis industry, whether it's through the THC that is allowed, um, as well as the CBD, which is more, you know, mainstream, the sales data by data by data, point by point by point, year by year by year have been growing. Okay, absolutely. But as it relates to 2016, as a number in the past, the U.S. legal cannabis sales were $6 billion, Okay? And the U.S. illegal cannabis sales were $25 billion. Got that? It's amazing. It's amazing, right? Total <laughs> that up, though, Kyle. We're going to go a little deeper. Total up. $31 billion. Yeah. Okay? $31 billion. Got it? Well, estimates for 2026 are... U.S. legal cannabis sales, $50 billion, okay? And U.S. illegal cannabis sales, under $1 billion. Yeah, I mean, if uh, to me, I equate it to the same thing, uh, you know, with the sports betting. There were millions upon millions of people who were illegally betting on sports, and then all of a sudden it gets made legal, you know, across the United States. And I would assume that all of the companies now that are regulated are probably getting all the business and all the ones that were the offshore overseas accounts probably dying a little bit. So it's fascinating to see how quickly that flips. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Absolutely right. But that total also increased from $31 billion in 2016 to a total estimate for 20, uh, 2026 of $51 billion. And that's just what would be, you know, the legal slash, you know, illegal recreational market for cannabis. Okay, See, I, I could be wrong on this, but just, just looking at that and knowing that there was, what, say, uh, 20, what can I do quick math, 22, 20 billion dollar uh, difference between 2016 and the potential you know outlook for 2026 
that has to, to do more so with just perception as well, right? More and more people are slowly opening themselves up to, whether it's the CBD, CBD side of things, uh, you know, the THC side of things, the medicinal. It just people are getting more comfortable with it. Absolutely. Please go back to episode five, all you listeners and all the viewers. We talk about that. We actually threw some data about age groups, and we had a little uh, quiz with Kyle back then about you know the group from 25 to 35, the 35 to 45, and then the over 65s, right? And the acceptance of cannabis and um, the you know the tabooness of mm-hmm. it, if you will. Well, in the U.S., the estimated sales of all cannabis businesses, maybe it's the actual drug itself, maybe it's the paraphernalia that goes with the drug, maybe it's with t-shirts that just say, don't get high on your own supply, I mean, whatever it is, the total contribution of cannabis businesses by 2024, according to the Marijuana Business Factbook, is going to be $130 billion in 2024. So you have $50 billion that may be in the recreational use sales, if you will, in mm-hmm. 2026, but you're going to have $130 billion as an estimate just in 2024 of all things cannabis. So if this isn't the fastest growing industry on the planet, I'm not really sure what, you know, what is. So um, absolutely relevant to talk about today. And then number four, to your point, Kyle, almost 70% of Americans now support the full legalization of cannabis. That's the highest figure ever recorded. And when I say highest, there's no pun intended. I think there is, but go ahead. (laughs) Americans' support continues to grow. That's number four. Again, no pun intended. Political change is driving this growth, okay? In the United States, there are 36 states plus District of Columbia that have legal marijuana markets. 15 states plus the District of Columbia allow recreational marijuana use, And I have some amazing facts for you, Kyle. Number one, the U.S. states with the most cannabis sales in 2020 were California, $3.8 billion. Colorado, number two, at $1.7 billion. And can you take a guess at maybe what number three, what state number three for (sighs) cannabis sales in 2020? Alaska. Think closer to home, pal. <laughs> Think closer to home. Come on. Iowa. Come on. No, no, no. Come on. You Michigan. Know. Michigan. Wow. You got it. Michigan came in third with most cannabis sales in 2020. I'm not sure what's going on at the bogey household, but again, across <laughs> this great state, $1.21 billion of cannabis sales, number three. The two fastest growing states are Florida and Oklahoma, and they're both expected to have over $1 billion in sales this year. And we're not done. I'm going to list some states that don't even have it legalized yet that you're going to say, are you kidding me? Okay. Connecticut, New Mexico, New York, Rhode Island, and Virginia are all expected to have some sort of legislation come through mm-hmm. in 2021 to get them on board with the rest of these states. So if we go state to state to state to state to state, sooner or later, it just makes some sense that the government's going to say, you know what, if every state has it legal, we might as well have it nationally legal. 
Absolutely. Right? So that's kind of the, the thesis and the expectation. But I thought those were some very important facts about Americans' support of cannabis, again, over 70%. Yeah, and, and again, you know, I'm not the uh, the smartest half of, uh, of this podcast either, but, you know, you, you pay attention to why would people be more open to it. And, you know, you think about the CBD side of things and the looking for natural ways to um, for pain relief, natural ways of recovery. I use CBD every single day on my shoulder and back and, you know, aches and pains and, you know, whatever. I mean, you get above the age of 30 and whoa, you know, you wake up and you're just in pain. But um, I, I think that that is one of the bigger things. And, you know, you could look at, I guess, the the pharmaceutical uh outlook of everything and people are looking for alternatives as opposed to just oh you don't feel good take a pill oh you have a headache take a pill you know like i i at least you know certainly in my household we are very much getting away from we don't have ibuprofen in the house we're not doing the you know a leave we're not i think people are looking for ways to get around taking pills and looking for just a more natural option and and that to me is one of the biggest things that that continues to grow within the cannabis world kyle what happens when you eat marijuana? Uh, you get a, uh, a higher sense of yourself. You get a <laughs> pot belly. Okay. Yeah. Have you heard of this? Yeah. Okay. So, yes, if you want to talk about um, going from the traditional marijuana plant that's dried and then smoked or whatever that's the cannabis flower we call that right but there's absolutely a change that's here and going to continue to introductions of cannabis extracts and cannabis edibles and cannabis roll-ons in a liquid or a gel format Mm -hmm. absolutely right so it absolutely is the new products that will actually take the sales to the next level. And you will see that smoking weed is actually on the decline. Totally agree. Right? Um, In April 2020, some research was done that said at the time, dried cannabis accounted for 73% of total cannabis sales. Cannabis extract accounted for 14% of total sales. And edibles in cannabis were 12% of total sales. That was last April, maybe in the height of the pandemic, if you will. You fast forward to five years from now, and those estimates are that the smoking will go down to 40%. Mm -hmm. And the cannabis extracts and edibles will then account for over 60%. So you're going to have, again, a flip-flop of where we are. Yeah, no, I, I think that's 100% accurate. I, for me, it's more about the the topical, the the healing, the you know the lotions, the gosh, they have chapstick now, uh, you know, and, and all that that actually is supposed to heal instead of just giving you relief. Like I've been told, you know, instead of icing, put rub CBD all over it because the ice is just a temporary relief, whereas the CBD actually has some healing oil and whatever it does. I mean, you know, who knows? That's or somebody smarter than me, but. I absolutely agree that that's going to be a a major shift moving forward. Well, and again, in this day and age of wellness and health, Mm -hmm. again, you talked about the CBD and help helps your pain, right? And it's a natural oil or a natural part of a plant that is there to help you heal naturally. Fair, Mm -hmm. right? Well, there's now the industry of beverages, so now they're talking about infusing your beverages 
with some part of the cannabis plant. And that will, again, create calmness. It will give the natural ingredients to give health benefits. The taste may also be there. Maybe it is a solution besides alcohol, but it also just may be a solution as opposed to just water. I mean, we infuse other things with water mm-hmm. now. So anyway, well, the it, cannabis beverage business is kind of on our radar. It's going to be future. huge. And along those lines, if you use the right kind of, of CBD within those beverage products, there it, it doesn't alter the taste profile of whatever you're putting it in, whether it's an Arnold Palmer, or an energy drink, or you know whatever it might be. And I will say this, bars and restaurants are starting to get into it a little bit more as well. You can literally... I mean, I haven't gotten one, I don't think, in this state. I know there are a few places that do it, but you can order an old-fashioned. And, uh, yeah, would you like some CBD in there? Yeah, please, go ahead, add some Mm -hmm. CBD in there. It's amazing how much it's really starting to to change. And who knows how big of a difference it is for some people, but fascinating to me to see that happen because I'll be honest with you, CBD more appealing to me, and I do feel like there's a lot more people out there that, that feel the way I do too. The smell of marijuana. Yeah, I'm not going to sit there and smoke a, you know, a, a, a doobie, you know, for lack of a better word, and then walk around in real life and smell like that. I just don't I, – I, there's still – that's not for me. Understood, understood. I've uh, had to walk into a few apartment buildings here or a few other enclosed areas, and, you know, it's one thing when you smell cigarette smell <laughs> yeah. coming down the hallway, but when you smell marijuana smoke – it's a whole nother, oh, yeah. you know, I don't know, shake of the shoulders, right? So anyway, but it, and it, we talked about beverages, we talked about edibles, but then there's the the you know cookies and the brownies mm-hmm. versus these gummies and these other types of um, you know edible solutions. So this is really going to be where the the future goes, um, and so we're uh, again advocating that you take a strong look at cannabis as an investment, but also this is a great point. That we need to make again talk to your financial professional you need to make sure that this is something that you can tolerate the volatility that you fall within the uh, investing guidelines of high risk potential high return but potential uh, you know a, a loss of capital as well this because the industry is still federally illegal and cannabis is still it's a schedule one drug you can't be investing blindly and you have to understand and do your work, right? So that's kind of just a quick plug for that in the middle of the pod. Let's go on to the next number. And you alluded to this as well, you know, the the election, the new administration, and how that could impact the, the cannabis industry. Yes. So when you talk about the election on the campaign trail, Biden pledged to decriminalize marijuana at the federal level and reschedule the drug from a Schedule 1 to a Schedule 2. And although this wouldn't legalize cannabis, it would remove many of the penalties associated with it. And this is why when it was announced by the Associated Press a week after the election that Biden and Harris had won, that cannabis stocks that next Monday started to take off. Okay, and there was some hype and some belief that this is going to have an impact, right? Well, guess what? Kamala Harris also sponsored a bill in Congress prior to the election known as the MORE Act. Are you familiar with the MORE Act? I'm not, actually. MORE stands for Marijuana Opportunity Reinvestment and Expungement Act, okay? And this... uh, bill passed the House on December 4th, 2020, right after the election, uh, you know, was announced uh, uh, for that ticket 
by the Associated Press. And this act, which again has been silenced currently in the Senate, but it will decriminalize the use of marijuana, tax 5% on cannabis products, remove federal penalties, and allow cannabis-related businesses to receive SBA loans, expunge past convictions related to marijuana for uh, criminals. This is a big deal, Mm -hmm. right? And so we haven't heard the last of it, but also know that Congress is dealing with the MORE Act. Fair? Mm -hmm. Well, there's one more. goes back even prior. This is called the SAFE Act. Do you remember the SAFE Act? I'm familiar with the SAFE Act, not the specifics of it, though. Okay, SAFE Act, the Secure and Fair Enforcement Act in banking. Okay, this talks about, again, allowing the proceeds from cannabis transactions to be deposited into a federal banking institution, not subject to seizing or any other type of, um, uh, you know, Issues with the IRS or any other federal agencies. So again, currently, cannabis proceeds cannot be deposited into a banking institution because it's still a federally outlawed activity subject to IRS penalties, including imprisonment. So all that to say that having the SAFE Act in banking go through will be a huge benefit to the cannabis industry as well. Oh, and it's amazing the hoops that some of these companies have to go through, you know, to figure that out because they aren't necessarily allowed to go through banks and there's so many different, you know, hurdles that they have to go through, uh, you know, as a business. But uh, the United States, not the only country that is going to be, you know, keeping an eye on dealing with, you know, the cannabis market. Number six, all eyes on European cannabis. Global growth. We're going to change mm-hmm. it up a little bit, Kyle. We're going to call it global growth, and we're going to throw European cannabis and Mexico and uh, South American cannabis. We're going to throw them together as the global growth of cannabis, okay? According to Grandview Research, expect the global market value of legal marijuana to be $150 billion by 2025. We talked about $50 billion in the U.S., $150 billion worldwide. And again, we talked earlier about you know growing at some number. Well, we use the number, or we use the phrase compounded annual growth rate, CAGR, which uh, in the industry we say cager. We believe that there will be a cager of 20% plus from 2020 to 2025. Compounded annual growth rate, 20% plus, which is so all eyes on cannabis in Europe and in uh, South America, driven primarily by medicinal products in Europe. We see that the market may be worth 40 to 50 billion by 2025. We also see that in Mexico, not only do they have a several billion dollar market, but because of labor, we think there could be 75,000 to 100,000 new jobs that are created, which would then just you know, exponentially have the snowball continue to roll and gather some steam and some size. So we're looking at Europe and we're looking at South America, mainly Mexico, also as a driver for global growth. So you kind of combined six and seven there, which is you know absolutely perfect. Eight, we essentially already touched on. You know that you know these new cannabis products, whether it's the edibles, the creams, the oils. Uh, you know, smoking weed moving forward is actually going to be on the decline. It's going to be the other you know recovery, uh, medicinal you know those sorts of things that will actually be on the rise and. 
we we lightly touched on you know CBD products. I mentioned I use those literally every single day. I have a roll on in my uh, my my coat jacket right now, and for, from a pain relief and recovery standpoint, it's absolutely huge. And the crazy thing about CBD is you literally cannot advertise. There are traditional media companies that are are they would love to take the CBD company's money. And they simply can't because you're not allowed to do it. If you want to do a digital ad campaign for a CBD company, it, things would get redacted, blacked out. You wouldn't. It would be shut down. Facebook wouldn't allow it because you can't technically advertise and be posting in a positive way about cannabis and, and CBD products. Absolutely, because it's still so unregulated, right? Because there's so much unknown and who's doing what and fake news and are these things actually elixirs? Do you know what elixir is, Kyle? Have you heard that from the past? A magic elixir. It fixes something. Yes, it, it, it doesn't it. fix anything, yes. but they're told it does, right? <laughs> there you go. Okay, yeah. it's almost like a placebo that in your head thinks it's fine. So again, this is very serious. No one knows. And I'll just give another shout out to our buddy D-Mac, episode 33. He talked about the new niches in these cannabinoids. And there's a whole new thought process that besides just ailing what hurts, you know, your elbows or your shoulders, that other types of um, products and solutions will be there not just to calm you down, but certainly uh, antidepressants, certainly all types of other solutions for treatments and therapies. They could even be such as on the medical side of helping those with uh, the shakes from epilepsy, the seizures, etc. I'll give you a number here. There are estimates that the CBD market could be as valued as high as 22 to 25 billion by 2022. So two years from now, Two years from now, three years from now, twenty-two to twenty-five billion in the CBD market alone. All these things are again billions and billions and billions. It's insane. I'll be honest, based on how I expect it to take off, twenty-two to twenty-five billion. It feels a little low. I, know, right? I mean, in all honesty, and that—that's insane for me to say. But uh, it certainly feels like it's headed. Uh, you know, like you said earlier, to the moon. Um, you mentioned the cannabinoids, um, and you know, so we, we went into a little bit of detail on that. But uh, and that would be number eleven uh, on this uh, this list. So. I want to at least go back to number 10 because I think that's the last one we really need to hit on before we just kind of tie a big bow um, on and the And since I combine those two, I'm going to oh, give, of you, course. One. I'm going to give no. you one last one to make sure this is a true 11. But let's Please. go. Let's no, keep th- going. That's totally fine. And, and this is fascinating to me as well. I- investments by big companies. How are hedge funds? How are these massive conglomerates handling you know, the, the, the cannabis investing opportunity, if you will? Sure. 2018, okay, private and institutional investments, according to Viridian Capital Advisors, were $14.8 billion in 2018. Okay, I want you to pay attention. Viewers, pay attention. Listeners, listen. This is very important. Money is what drives this train, okay? They say don't fight the Fed with interest rates. When it comes to this, you've got to have institutional investment capital to help push these companies where they need to go, mm-hmm. okay? So in 2018... Private institutional investments, $14.8 billion, okay? 2019, it goes backwards a little bit, $11.6 billion. 2019, okay? Okay. 2020, only $4.2 billion in private and institutional investments in 2020. From $15 billion to 11 and change, down to 4 that's going backwards, right? Well, it was because what happened in 2019 that I mentioned earlier that the institutional world is like, well, we're not getting involved. We don't know what's happening. And so if nothing's happening, we'll take our money and we'll go somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Well, guess what? Now we know what's happening. Okay, so 
So far this year, in only two months, there has been $3 billion raised in two months. Okay, the estimates for the rest of this year are that there will be more than that $14.8 billion that we saw back in 2018. Okay, so you're going to have where we went from 14, almost 15, to 11, to 4, back to over 15. So you're going to have maybe a 300% increase this year. Mm-hmm. And then by 2025, according to the Bank of Montreal, that's Montreal for all you <laughs> French folks, the Bank of Montreal says by 2025, it could be $194 billion. We're only at $15 billion if it goes well this year, right? That's insane. That's institutional yeah. under uh, you know, involvement, mm-hmm. which, again, the cash comes in, pushes the investments out there to higher levels, and that's exactly what we believe is going to happen, and that's a huge deal. You said you had one more thing because you combined a couple of those? Yes. So we have, because of the current investment landscape, we believe that things will become more transparent, more regulated, and many of the companies that you would be looking at to invest will actually become, will be, begin making profits in 2021. Okay. So if companies are starting to make a profit, they might. Uh, demand a higher valuation, which will take their stock prices higher. However, the coolest part is also there will be mergers and acquisitions. Have you heard of a company called GW Pharma? Uh, heard of it, yes. Okay, well, good. Well, GW Pharma had an FDA drug that was approved to um, help with the treatment of seizures and... Um, Epilepsy, okay? Well, on February 8th of this year, 2021, Jazz Pharmaceuticals bought GW Pharma for $7.2 billion in what is believed to be the largest transaction related specifically to something having to do with cannabis, Mm -hmm. you know, in the history. So we take a look at the current investment landscape, and we believe that transparency, regulation, uh, profitability, and merger and acquisition is going to take us higher. (laughs) <laughs> no pun intended. All right. A lot there. An incredible list and an incredible breakdown. I suppose, lastly, here, just to kind of wrap up and, and tie a bow on this entire thing, the bottom line as it pertains to the cannabis industry and investing here moving forward. Well, uh, yes. The bottom line to the investing is that there is going to be mass appeal. There's going to be legislation. There's going to be better products. They're going to be more readily available. And. At lower prices because of supply and demand, right? And technology advancements. So mass appeal, legalization, better products, more readily available, and at a lower price. It sure sounds like a recipe for industry and investment success to me. Well, it should be fascinating to watch. Obviously, Great Lakes Wealth all over it. You can find a ton of information at greatlakeswealth.us. You can obviously just simply call here uh, if you have any questions. If you're interested in potentially looking at a cannabis portfolio, certainly seems like something that you should be at least considering. And then Dewey and his team will let you know whether or not you should be really entertaining it and in what way you should be getting involved. We may have to do a 3.0, okay, to talk about, again, the different ways to invest in it. We're not even going to touch on that today. There are so many different ways to get involved, but we will tell you to talk to your financial advisor, 
Do your research. Understand that there are huge risks in this industry. It should not be a major piece of your portfolio. It should probably be for anyone out there, a small piece of your portfolio. So please do your homework. Feel free to reach out to us and talk to us at uh, Great Lakes Wealth or go to our website. I am going to just real fast so you can write them down. I'm going to tell you the 11 so that there's no miscommunication or misunderstanding. Number one, cannabis stocks are on the rise. Number two, the stay-at-home economy in COVID-19 has created the growth in cannabis. Number three, U.S. cannabis sales are growing and the black market is shrinking. Number four, Americans' support continues to grow Number five, the United States is poised to legalize cannabis soon within the next four years. Number six, the global growth of cannabis. Number seven, new cannabis products have arrived. Edibles, creams, oils, and smoking weed is on the decline. Number eight, CBD and other medical products are moving to the mainstream. Number nine, investments by institutions and private investors will only continue to support the cause. And number 10, the new cannabinoids on the block are here to stay. And number 11, the current investing landscape will be what turns 2021 into a fantastic starting point for the future of cannabis investing. With that... Kyle, thanks for everything. Bogey in the control room, great to see you. Episode 37, and we're just getting started. The opinions expressed in this program are for general information purposes only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual or any specific security. It's only intended to provide education about the financial industry. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult your financial advisor prior to investing. Any past performance discussed during this program is no guarantee of future results. Any indices referenced for comparison are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. As always, please remember investing involves risks and possible loss of principal capital. Please. Seek advice from a licensed professional.